Okay, let's hear from Genesis. From the first chapter of Genesis. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And now from Isaiah 58. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And now from Matthew 11, some familiar verses, but now from the Passion Translation. Are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. This is the word of the Lord. You may know somebody who says this, I can't watch the news, it's too depressing. Maybe you're one of those people. You know, journalists have a strategy to guide the stories that they tell. They say, if it bleeds, it leads. Across a multinational psychological study seems to confirm that this strategy works. Consumers around the world have stronger reactions to negative news compared to positive news. So that's why headlines of bad news, uh, headlines with bad news of violence and Systemic injustice and poverty and economy in crisis and climate inaction and racism dominate most of our headlines. It's also why our politics has become so divisive. Because fear and bad news gets people's attention. And that's probably why so many people are disillusioned and depressed. We are surrounded by bad news of ugly things in this world. New York City uh, pastor Tim Keller Remarks, <clears throat> because the world is full of ugly things, we need the Sabbath to feed our souls with beauty. 
See, yes, the world is full of ugly things, but it's also full of good things. Sabbath is a day to delight in God's goodness. And in the Sabbath practice series, we've been building over each week, learning how God's command to practice the Sabbath isn't meant to be this onerous command to take away life, but to lead us into this fuller and deeper life with God. As Neil mentioned earlier, reminded us, we learn to stop. We stop from the routines of the other six days of the week on the Sabbath, and we learn to find true rest on one day. And today, we're going to look at how Sabbath is a day to delight in the goodness of God. So we're going to look at how delight is an antidote, delight is a practice, and delight is a rhythm. Antidote, practice, and a rhythm. And you know, maybe some of us have been learning how to practice the Sabbath practice more in our small groups. We're talking about it and how we're going to implement Sabbath more and incorporate it. And maybe you're looking for some practical steps to take each week for yourself. You can download this companion guide uh, with this QR code shown up on the screen. And there's some practices and some, some suggestions for you to nurture the Sabbath practice for yourself each week. In the creation account in Genesis 1, we read over and over from day three onwards that God would end each day's work by saying, and God saw that it was good. That word good is tov in Hebrew. It also is translated as beautiful. See, goodness and beauty is associated with life with God, but it's often eclipsed by what the New Testament writer Paul says as the kingdom of darkness. In our modern digital age, 24-7, algorithm-driven content, we humans are not designed to resist this onslaught of fear and of rage and of frustration that characterizes most of our media. It's literally rewiring our brains and rewiring our relationships because of what we consume. See, people often worry about whether their media is biased, biased to the left or uh, prog progressive or biased to the right as conservative. But we all, and it's important to recognize your sources and their biases, but what's most important is to recognize that all media is biased downwards. It's biased towards the worst things of the world because that's what gets people's attention. And it just shouldn't surprise us that this works. Because even Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't preclude you from experiencing sadness and grief and conflict in life. Those are inevitable, regardless of how genetically gifted you are, regardless of how much privilege you have. Those will come into your life. And you cannot plan for it. You, you, don't, have to, you don't even get to consent to it. Sadness arrives. But Jesus offers an antidote to sadness. It's called joy. Jesus tells his followers in John 15, saying, These things I have spoken to you that you may have joy, and my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You see, joy is God's will for every single apprentice of Jesus, to live in the joy of God regardless of what's going on in the world around us. See, we can't plan for or escape sadness, but we can choose joy. We have to choose it 
over and over and over and over again. And joy is how we index our hearts to the goodness of God when the world around us is telling us there are no good things. If we were to study joy in the Bible, we'd discover there are th- joy is described in three ways. One, it's a feeling. Two, it's a condition. And three, it's a discipline. A joy, uh, feeling, a condition, and a discipline. Joy is a feeling that we experience when we feel like everything is where it should be. Joy is also a condition that we experience when we're formed in the image of Christ. Paul writes joy is the second fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. It's a condition that we become as we walk with Jesus. So joy is a feeling and a condition, but it's also a discipline. There are times when joy comes easy to us, right? We like those times, like on your wedding day or when good news arrives or when that first sunny, warm day of spring or when it's 75 degrees on November 1st. This week, joy came easy to me during a a morning run uh, when I stopped for a break on the Navy Yard boardwalk. I sat down uh, to catch my breath and then a dog off-leash, wandered up to me gently and sought some snuggles. That joy comes easy sometimes. But there are times when joy is a sheer act of obedience to Jesus. It's a discipline. It's a discipline to index our hearts towards the goodness of God. We do it every Sunday on, on Sunday morning. When we come to church, when we choose to come to church in person as opposed to staying online, when we choose to sing these songs that we sang this morning, when we don't feel what those words are saying, we choose to engage in them and to say, like, I'm choosing joy in God this morning. Richard Foster, a writer on spiritual formation, calls this the discipline of celebration. And he says it like this. The decision to set the mind on the higher things of life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline. It's not something that just falls on our heads. It's the result of a consciously chosen way of thinking and living. Joy and celebration is also a discipline. Sabbath is a celebration, a discipline of celebration. It is a delivery mechanism for joy in our lives. It's the mail inbox that we check to attend to joy regularly. It's, the one, it's one of the most important disciplines by which we become people who are full of joy, which is what God is like. You know, there's more to joy as a discipline. If we take a look back at Genesis chapter 1 uh, and, and Genesis 2, after God said, and six days of creation said, this is very good. Verses 2 to 3 continue saying that, uh, describing how God rested and stopped. And as you know, we learned last week, the word rested is Shabbat in Hebrew. And it literally means to stop or to rest. But that word also conveys this idea of delight, that God delighted in the work that he had completed. Now, the idea here isn't that God needed a break from working so hard after six days. He wasn't tired and frazzled. God is infinite in power. It's impossible for God to feel those things that we feel when we work so hard. When God's Sabbath, 
It's more like what the feeling that you get when you, after a long, hard day of working on your house or working in your yard, and you go and take a shower, and you grab a drink, and you sit on the couch, and you enjoy the fruits of your labor. It's like, wow, that's good. Or maybe it's like when you've worked on a months-long project with your team at work, and it's completed, and you throw a party to celebrate the completion of that work and say, that's good, we're done. Or maybe it's after a long, hard season of caring for someone, uh, supporting them physically or emotionally, and you're saying, wow, that's good, it's done. That's the feeling of Sabbath. Sabbath has been designed to be this 24-hour time period set aside to follow God's example, to stop, to rest, and to delight. Sabbath is God's antidote to sadness in, by providing space for us to find delight in the good things of God. So, what are we to find delight in? Joy as a discipline means that we are to practice delight. Practice delight. Because we're not used to it. We know it when we find it, but we need to practice delight. So here are a few things that help us attune our hearts or index our hearts towards the good things of God. First, we are to delight in God's world. We've been singing about it this morning. We didn't sing about uh, the mighty power of God that gives me thoughts, the mighty power of God that gives me concepts, but the mighty power of God in creation. Let your mind focus on all that is very good in this earth. And by doing that, we curate a a view of the world with special attention to the good, to the beautiful, and the true things of life. Dan Allender, who wrote a book on Sabbath that is a great accompaniment to this series, says this, Beauty cannot be purchased from a catalog or selected from the most sophisticated designers. Holy beauty must be crafted from material that is loved. Holy beauty is crafted from material that is loved. And what is more loved in this world than what God has created, than all of humanity? Hence, what is more beautiful than the magnificence of creation and to sit and delight in it? Delight in God's world, delight in God's word. It's easy to lose sight of how much goodness there is in life. Neuroscientists tell us that Our mind is drawn towards negative things compared to positive things by a rate of 14 to 1. You're probably doing it as you're listening to this message today. But on the Sabbath, we mitigate against this survival instinct of our brain. We do it by remembering, remembering what God has done. The Sabbath command invites us to remember Remember how many blessings are actually in our lives. Throughout scripture, God commands the Israelites saying, remember when, remember when, remember when, do not forget. Recalling all the ways that God has shown up in their lives. Remember, God's word is one key way that helps us remember the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in our lives. Remembering God's world, uh, delighting God's world, delighting God's word. Finally, delight in God, delighting God himself. And because of what Jesus has done through the death and the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit, we, through these practices, through spiritual practice, 
experiences, especially the Sabbath, have an ability to participate in the delight of the Trinity of God. There is this dance between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's love and joy and peace circulating and growing and um, spilling over. And that's what Sabbath invites us to do, is to delight in the Trinity. Lifting our hearts up before God in prayer. Offering up ourselves to God and saying, God, I want to be a part of that. Help me to delight in what's already happening in your very own character. But many of us haven't learned how to enjoy God in this way. Many of us like to uh, believe in, we believe in God. We learn about God. We might revere and respect God. We might obey God. But delight in God, that's something new. That's something that we need to develop and grow. And it's something I've had to come to appreciate more and more over the years of my life as a follower of Jesus. I've learned to do that through silence and contemplation, and especially on the Sabbath. To delight in simply who God is and this relationship that I am loved. You know, many of us have learned to yet enjoy God in this way. Over the past few weeks, we've been singing the song that I introduced to you called Be Still and Know That I Am God. It's a song that has helped me index my heart to the good things of God, to delight in God, and for that God delights in me. Not because of what I do or what have I accomplished or how good I am, but simply because God created me, God saved me, and I am loved. Those lyrics of that song aren't just singing truths about God, which are important. It's not singing about God, but it's God inviting you and I to rejoice in God's presence, to relax in God's love. We are simply learning to enjoy and delight in God himself. And that's something that many of us aren't used to doing, if, even if we grew up in the church. Theologian Marva Dawn writes in her book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, saying this, Observing the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to be as careful as we can to fill our lives with beauty and to share beauty with the world around us. When we observe a day especially set apart for beauty, all the rest of life is made more beautiful. Don't we want that? Isn't that what we long for? Is this picture coming more into focus for you for what Sabbath is actually intended for? Sabbath isn't meant to be this dreary religious duty where you can't do all these different things, but it's a life-giving day of delight. So stand before creation because it, it reflects God's glory. And the only way to take it in is through this lens of delight. Slow down. And through all the senses that God has given to us, bask in the beauty of God. Surround our senses with color and texture and taste and fragrance and warmth and sound and delight. The psalmist, uh, psalm says in Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say reflect and develop abstract thoughts about God's goodness. It's taste and see those are sensual descriptions of God's goodness. Sabbath is a day to taste and see again, but in light of God's goodness. Sabbath is a way for us to reattach healthily 
to our senses. See, historically, some streams in the Christian church have held a suspicion towards our senses and towards our desires. And we think it's good to not express and enjoy the senses that God has given to us. And yes, our desires are powerful. And yes, they can lead us to behavior that uh, is unhealthy or away from God. But that suspicion towards our senses and desires can lead us towards unhealthy detachment from them. Sabbath is this opportunity to re-engage with our senses as this holy pursuit of the goodness of God and delight of the goodness of God in creation. So that's why we can enjoy good food and drink even on, even on the Sabbath. We can enjoy a good laugh with friends. We can enjoy dancing. We can enjoy snuggling with loved ones. Those are all part of tasting and seeing God's goodness. We can practice delight in the good gifts of God on, on the Sabbath. So how do we do this? This kind of joy is, goes against the flow, not only of the culture around us, but even of the neurological wiring in our brain. We have to literally reconnect new synapses in our brain for this kind of joy. So here are three things that you can do to help you develop a rhythm of delight. First, you have to slow down and declutter. See, hurry and joy are incompatible. Delight demands that we slow down and savor the goodness of each moment. You know, six days of the week, we're running with our schedules and, and notifications. Sabbath is the day to savor and slow down. You know, this is very hard for me. I like efficiency. I like speed. I like getting things done. And <laughs> Jess, uh, our minister for community life, she laughs at me because I don't walk in the office. I run up and down the stairs. And this morning, Chris was walking up the stairs and he, had, he let me go because he knows I run it up and down the stairs every single time. See, I'm in the process of relearning how to live life at a slower pace. I might still run up and down stairs, but on Sunday, I mean on Sabbath, it's learning to not push. Not living according to what my calendar, what my inbox, and what my mobile phone notifications tell me is going on. Slow down. Secondly, it requires us to put boundaries around our days. See, to enter into Sabbath, delight requires us to say no to some things so that we can say yes to things that lead us to joy in God. And these boundaries aren't just for your Sabbath day. Marva Dawn again says this. She says, we don't know how to feast because we don't know how to fast. We don't know how to feast because we don't know how to fast. Meaning that we don't know how to savor each bite of food because so many of us overeat every day. We rush through our meals. We don't know how to savor a good film because every night of the week we're binge-watching TV and sports. We don't know how to savor our closest relationships because we filled our schedule moving from one event and one relationship to another. Part of Sabbath is learning how to slow down our overall life, to live with moderation during the week so that we can turn Sabbath into this celebration. But this requires boundaries. 
saying no to something so we can say yes to good things of God during the week, but also on the Sabbath. See, on my Sabbath days, I've, I've used the following categories to determine if an activity is appropriate for the Sabbath. Is this activity something I have to do or something I get to do? And often they're the same activity, but our motivation is different. Because mowing the lawn on some days is a have-to-do thing, but some days it's a get-to-do thing. And that's okay. For some people, wrenching on your car is the last thing you would ever want to do. In fact, that's why most of us pay someone else to do it. But a couple of weeks ago, I spent six hours trying to fix this door switch problem on my car. And after I spent that, that was on my Sabbath. And I thought, man, that seemed like the waste of a Sabbath day. And I didn't even fix the problem. It's still there. <laughs> but when I reflected on it, I was happy, actually, that I got to spend that time on my day off. See, I don't work six days a week, uh, a six day, I don't get to work a six-day stretch just to work with my hands and to problem solve. See, I didn't have to do it. Well, kind of have to do it, but it's not that important. But I got to do it. Now, you think I'm weird. That's okay. Your Sabbath day might look completely different, and that's okay too. What can you find delight in? In God's world, in God's word, in God himself, and in the things that you're doing now, in addition to this have-to-do versus get-to-do, I, I also run potential activities through this rubric that we've been learning. Stop, rest, delight, and next week we'll look at worship. Is, is this activity stopping what I normally do the other six days of the week? Is this resting? Is this delighting? Does it spark joy in my life? Is it worshiping? Does it connect me deeper to God? Now, these boundaries aren't meant, we don't like boundaries, I know that, okay? But these boundaries aren't meant to be legalistic and burdensome. They're meant to guard the Sabbath day from all that is ugly and sad and untrue so that we can replace it with beauty and joy and with the good things of God. Lastly, so slow down, set boundaries. Third, give yourself to joy. Give yourself over to joy. Rabbi Reb Zelman uh, says this, today on Sabbath, I'm going to pamper my soul. Pamper my soul. See, we pamper a lot of other things in our lives, but we don't pamper our soul. As we lean into Sabbath, a great action, uh, a question to ask yourself is this, what could I do for 24 hours that would bring me deep and visceral joy in God? Psychologists have this great label for when you save up a bunch of your favorite experiences for a single moment, such as your birthday or an anniversary or a vacation. It's called pleasure stacking. You're stacking all these good things on top of one another. The Sabbath is pleasure stacking on a weekly basis. What can you moderate during the six days of the week so that on Sabbath you can pleasure stack and enjoy Maybe it's a certain food. Maybe instead of dessert every single meal, you say dessert for your Sabbath day. Maybe a good film or a good book. Maybe a glass of wine that you drink every evening. You say, no, I'm going to save that. A good bottle of wine for Sabbath. Slow down. Put boundaries that help you say no to some things so that you can say yes to good things of God. And then give yourself completely to joy 
on the Sabbath. And one last note. Maybe you're here listening today and you're exploring the Christian faith and you're thinking, well, the idea of Sabbath, Christian Sabbath, or Jewish Sabbath just sounds like a me day or a mental health day. But it's much more than that. See, for Jesus' followers, it's a day to delight in God's goodness. It's not just stopping and resting and sleeping in and having a chill day and playing with your kids. It's delighting in the goodness of God. In the the ways that lead us to deeper joy in God. You know, we've all, you know, pampered ourselves without getting lasting joy, right? We've all done that before. We can distract ourselves with some shopping therapy. We can binge watch multiple seasons of a series in a day. We can even go skydiving. But we, will not, we might not get to true and lasting joy because that's not what Sabbath is. That's entertainment. That's distraction. Joy on the Sabbath can come in the simple things in life, in the form of a good meal, in the form of having a great conversation, especially in real life. Being grateful for what you already have instead of what you want to get. Delighting and playing and laughing with people and friends. Making love to your spouse. You know, on on the Sabbath. In the Talmud, there's a command for every couple to make love every Friday night, which is the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath. Spend time in God's creation. All these things are ways that we can Give ourselves to joy. This is the invitation of Jesus to come and to find rest for your souls. To follow six in one rhythm of work and rest. There's a time to work and sweat and fast and there's a time to lament and to stop and to rest and feast and to delight. As we conclude, hear these words from Isaiah once again. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. May it be so for you. Amen.